Hey, this is Will Martin from Earshot, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. So for those not for those not familiar with uh, with Earshot, let's just jump right in there. Can you give us the two seconds or two sentence elevator pitch? Uh, so we're a heavy modern rock band. Uh, that formed in 98 and our first records came out on Warner brothers in 2002 uh, with our first album called letting go. Uh, we had a big single off that called getaway. Mm-hmm. Also had another single off that album called not afraid. And then we had a song off that album that ended up in a very beloved uh, movie soundtrack queen of the damned called headstrong. Oh, wow. And then uh, in 2004, we released our second album, Two, which uh, the song Wait came off of, which is probably our, our biggest stream song. Um, and we put out, you know, a couple of records since then. And nowadays we put out singles and uh, we're just starting to get back on the horse and do shows again. So you're just starting to get back out. What's it like trying to get back out into this I guess, post pandemic or post nonsense climate that we're all living in? Um, you know, uh, it's, it's a little touch and go. I feel like a little bit still, um, but the people that, that do come out to the shows are really happy to be there and happy to. Right. Yes. And, you know, be back out and, and be living in some kind of normalcy again. Um, you know, we're trying to shake off the rust ourselves. You know, it's been uh, since 2019 was the last shows that we had played up until we just did Las Vegas uh, about 10 days ago, which was a great show. Right. And um, we've got some more shows coming up that we're getting ready to announce. And for this year, we're just doing fly dates where we're flying in, you know, to an area of the country. Right. Doing three shows and then flying home and then rinse, repeat. Um, so we're not doing anything extensive touring wise this year, but probably will next year. We just kind of got a late start this year. What was it like finally being on stage? Was there, did you have nerves to get back out there again? It was, there, I know you said you had to get shake the rust off, but were you nervous at all? Or is it something that just comes now? Um, wasn't nervous. What, well, there may be a little bit of anxiety in terms of, um, because we all live spread out. I live in Los Angeles. Um, Aaron and John, uh, live in Pennsylvania and Mike and Andy live in Florida. Um, so since we don't live in the same city, you know, we don't get to, to rehearse, you know, together too often. So, um, a little anxiety about that, but I was pretty confident that, that, I mean, we've played these songs so many times, you know, it's that kind of thing, but, um, I think the, you know, at least speaking for myself, the toughest part, you know, going, that being our first show was just, just not being conditioned, you know, to play right hour plus that's, and plus it's hot in Las Vegas right now. So um, that was probably the biggest thing for me to overcome was, was just. But was it like getting back on a bicycle again? You just jumped right on. And I mean, once you got your legs, you were go- good. Yeah, I mean, my voice was great. It was just physically uh, right. 
by the second song, I was so hot and like just tired from the heat. Um, but I just, you know, just plowed through it, but no, my voice felt great. Everybody played great. Um, crowd loved it. It was a great crowd. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to doing uh, some more shows like this. We got Montana, I think, uh, a place called the Newberry, which I, I don't think I've ever, we've ever played. I think it's a newer venue, but, um, we're pretty excited about that. Um, and we have some stuff coming up in Texas. Oh, nice. Um, trying to get some stuff in Florida. We have an LA show uh, coming December. None of these, by the way, we've announced yet. So your listeners will be hearing this for the first time. That's great. And I imagine that the energy probably, I mean, you know, you were, you said you were rusty and it was felt good to get back out there, but I imagine the energy coming from the crowd was pretty insane, right? Because people like me excited to be at a show and be in public and be around our friends again. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, you know, it was nice to hear fans sing our songs back to us again, you know, like they always have. So, yeah, no, it was it was it was refreshing, you know, to be back out and. Um, you know, and not not have that cloud of, you know, the fear that's been permeating you right. know, for the last two or three years. What? um. What do you want your fans to walk away from? Or is there a message you want your fans to walk away from with after listening to, uh, you know, one of your records or seeing one of your shows? Is there something more to it than just having a good time? Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least for me, when I write songs, I'm writing to let people know that I can relate to whatever it is that's happening in their life. That's that's what I'm writing to. So. Right. Um, I guess, you know, my message has always been sort of subliminally is I'm there. I'm with you. I got you. Like, I get it. Right. Whatever it is, whatever it is you're going through, I get it. Um, and, you know, hopefully I'm able to create lyrically and, and musically with the band. We're able to create enough space, you know, for people listening, sort of forget about whatever's happening with them and, and not be as focused on what's happening to them and and uh, be more in the moment, you know, where we're at. So that's really what we I, try to do. What we I think that's do. a great thing about music or rock and roll or even heavier music in general, right? It definitely has the ability to transport you away from your daily grind yeah. and, and, you know, suspend reality for a little bit. Even if it's just for a four minute song, it's it takes you away. I think so. I mean, it always did for me growing up and, right. and quite honestly, that's, that's why I wanted to, to be in music, you know, when I was a kid, because that's what it did for me. Right. So I wanted to have that same effect, you know, on the world, uh, with what I do. And, um, and here we are. And music is crazy, right? Because you can hear a song and you're instantly transported back to, I don't know, the candy store with your friends. It has a way of bringing back like a snapshot of a moment you first heard that or when you listened to it. And I don't think any other sense is like that. Yeah, no, it's true. I remember reading an article with, um, with Kirk Hammond of Metallica mm -hmm. a long, long time ago. I think when I was like a teenager, when I was learning to play guitar, it was, it was like a hit parader magazine or something like that. I remember that magazine, yeah. Yeah, great magazine. Uh, I remember him talking about how music was able to 
sort of timestamp things um, and was able to take them back, you know, to happier times, you know, uh, throughout different points of his life and, and how that's how connected he was to, you know, to various songs and music. And, yeah. and he's, at, he's at absolutely right. I mean, even when I listen, I just listened, for example, the other week, I hadn't, I don't listen to our records that often just because we spend so much time recording. Them. Right. You know, that's not really something on my list to do is, I mean, this is my records over, but I was listening to our very first record a few weeks back and, and automatically like, every single song, every single vocal part in each song, like it just brought me back to the time, the yeah. space, what, what we were talking about, almost even what I was wearing. It's crazy. Uh, it is. It's, 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 it's amazing how we're able to recall yeah. you know, such finite details of things just by listening to a song. And I know you said, uh, you know, the Kirk Hammett thing was the happier times, but even sadder times or even like breakups or it, it's so ingrained. Like you remember, I hear a, a love song or a slower ballad from the 80s and I'm immediately reminded of, you know, a girlfriend or some weird thing that happened back in the, you know, the 80s. It's strange. Yeah. You know, and it's you funny. It I, was, I, I was thinking that what you're talking about when you said breakups, I was listening uh spotify and, and on the uh just randomly came on was winger headed for a heartbreak and i remember yeah. and i was like in high school maybe when that came out and i remember you know whatever little girlfriend i had there, yeah you know and that song was like i remember playing it over and over and over again and it's still a great song actually yeah i hadn't heard that song in years but so yeah. for me i have one of those as well and I, I don't know if you care or not but it was uh aerosmith tell me what it takes Oh yeah, great song. Great song, man. but every time I hear it, you know, I'm back in, I don't know, I'm 19 again and missing my girlfriend or something and it's really weird. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I have I have a similar connection with that song as well. That was, that was, what a massive record that was. Yes. So many great songs, so many great songs. Yo, I 100% agree. But you, so you said you guys are going to be doing this single route. Is, are you taking the new traditional route then of just doing singles as opposed to a full length or an EP? Yeah, for now. I mean, I'm a, I've always been one of those people that always like looking into the data of things and the numbers. Um, and with music, you know, what I've been noticing over the years is that as CD sales have declined and streaming has gone up, there's just so many options for people yeah. um, in terms of what to listen to almost too many things it's almost like having too many things on the menu you don't know what to order right um but people are being constantly bombarded with with music from bands that they do know and and bands that they've never heard of before and um what i've what i've been able to sort of extrapolate from all that is that people don't have as much time as they used to have or they don't attention have the, the attention span to listen, sit down and listen to an entire record all the way through. So if that's the case, then, you know, why are we putting so much effort into making full length albums? Why aren't we just putting out chunks at a time that people can digest? Right. Um, because it's kind of frustrating to put out a whole album that you work really hard on. And then people only pay attention to one or two things yeah. off. So I get so, that totally. 
But I also, the old school guy in me, and it probably is in you too as well, misses the days of, you know, the record store, going to the record store day and released and grabbing the full length and sitting at home and listening to it the way you sequenced it and reading the liner notes and every word where it was recorded and who you thanked. And I think that was a whole art in itself that's missing. Absolutely. You know, the, you know, streaming is great. You know, I was on the MP3 train before it was even popular. I'm a big tech head. So, you know, back in 2001, I already, iPod wasn't out yet, but they had these, you know, MP3 players that looked like CD players. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was fascinated with it because I could, that meant that I could take all the music that I love with me and not, have the CDs get lost or scratched right. or um, so in that regard, streaming has been great. Um, the downside obviously is, you know, artists don't make as much money and it's hard to it's become tougher to make a living off of making music and, and, and B um, like you said, there, it's not tangible like an album was when you could have your hands right. on it and read through it. And I think that's, I think that's what the music industry has been trying to find over the last 10 years is how do we, how do we make digital music a tangible or as close to tangible thing as a CD? And quite hasn't quite been an answer for that yet. Oh, I think we opened Pandora's box and I don't know how the, how that gets closed at all. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's ever going to go back to CDs, but if there's a way, you know, to make digital feel like it's yours again, somehow, um, or some way that we just haven't thought of yet. I'm sure it's out there. I mean, I'm sure uh, we never thought that we'd uh, be driving around electric cars, right? You know, right now. And there was a whole ago. there was a whole art in sequencing, wasn't there? I mean, like sitting, putting that record together and creating the moods and the flow, right? Yeah, and you know, and that was kind of at least for us, um, it was always kind of arbitrary. Um, we always sequenced with what felt right. It was never really much about meaning per se, or, mm-hmm. or like a Queens rack record, right. Which, you know, those were designed to tell a story and be in a right. certain sequence, but, but, you know, for our albums, it was always about just what, you know, what was going to be the first song and then what do we, what feels right going into the next song and then vice versa and we want to bring the energy up here down like it was that kind of thing really so not really much science to it other than just you know tempo right a feel but i think that's you know you definitely spent some time doing it and that's lost for sure so if you're writing singles and you guys are you know working on that sort of thing do you feel any pressure to try and follow up to you know i think it's been a long time and when it hit billboard charts is that like, I mean, obviously that's a standard, but do you feel any pressure to, to write like that again or do you just write? No, you know, when we came out, when our first single Getaway came out in 2002, that was such a monster hit song. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I think we, I think it peaked out at number three or number four at both radio formats across the country. That was that was a little daunting when we were making our second record uh, right. because obviously we didn't want to be the one hit wonder, you right. know, the one and done. Um, but luckily when we got around to our second record, we had weight and that ended up becoming even a bigger song. Um, so it was kind of, it kind of 
we got to touch the safe, you know, base, you know, like we're not the one hit wonder, or at least we're a two hit wonder, at least right. the minimum. So no, that anxiety has kind of left us, you know, that, that train already left the station a long time ago. So we just, we do what feels good to us and we, you know, stay true to what we're feeling at the time. And, and sometimes that means that, you know, our sound evolves a bit from song to song, which is good, which is what you're supposed to be doing as an artist. Um, you know, it gets boring, you know, trying to recreate and rewrite and play the same song over and over and over. Yeah, and there have was, been bands that have done that and they've had a great career doing that. But that was um, actually my next question. Do you conscious, do you make a conscious effort to not recreate or rewrite the same single or record in no, I mean, um, if something comes along that sounds really, really familiar to something that we've done, it, it really kind of just as a, a judgment call, like, is this too close or, you know, or sometimes we'll just tweak it and then it doesn't sound like that at all anymore. Or, right. you know, maybe I'll take a different vocal approach to it and that could be enough to change it. But, um, but we, we typically with each song, it seems like we shove off with a different feel each time. And, and that's what I, that's what I like about how we're doing it now. It's just, it gives, I think when we're making an album, I think that's when you run into the songs kind of all sounding the same. Cause you're, you're writing for an album and you're, and you're trying to get it, you know, done within a certain time frame, and you're kind of a bit rushed in a way. And so, the way that you know we've been doing it with the singles it's it, we're at our we're working at our own pace so right we're able to just take something that maybe in the beginning doesn't sound like something that's going to be anything but we're able to after we kind of massage it and you know like clay mm -hmm. it starts to develop and so we have more time to develop songs than than we used to have when we were making albums right is the big difference do you write or when you're writing, are you writing for the, the song for the song's sake? Or are you writing the song, how it will come across in a live setting? We always write for the song's sake. Um, it's always hard. Some songs don't, uh, we find don't, you know, translate as well live. Right. Um, and sometimes that happens. Um, <clears throat> But it's always about the song. I think, you know, the song is what lives eternally, right? It's the recorded mm -hmm. piece. Um, so I think it's, it's important to us, you know, when people are listening to our music, that it kind of takes them on a ride. Um, that's not to say, I mean, I think, I think there's only maybe a couple of songs that we, that we don't play live because it doesn't translate. And that's, that's either because <clears throat> there's some, uh, strings and stuff in it that right. we just feel doesn't translate the same without that. And obviously we're not going to travel with an orchestra, right. um, you know, stuff like that. But generally speaking, all the stuff that we record, we, we can and do play um, whenever we feel the inspiration to play certain songs or break them out. But no, we fully, fully write for the songs. All right. And so what is next for you guys? I mean, I know you said you got some one-off gigs and you've got a single here. You have more singles coming out through the year. 
We have another one. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm going. I'm going today to uh, later today to listen to the mix on our next single. Uh, it's called Unraveling. It's going to be the the name of the next single, and um, we're really excited about this one. This one is uh, well lyrically. It, I wrote it. It's kind of you know what's been happening with people unraveling, literally, quite literally, right. Uh, mentally behaviorally uh you know the whole world has just gone bonkers so that's 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 the premise of the song and it came out really really cool and i and i really love uh how it, it comes across in the music it all sounds really great it's rock and track i think it's it's interesting you said that though i think music is a sign of the times if you look back in history like a time capsule and I think what you're seeing yeah. now or what you're going to see, especially like what you're talking about unraveling um, in the late 60s and the 70s, it was music about the times and the turbulence. And and I think that's what you're seeing now. It's totally a, a reflection of what we've all been through and are still going through. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You kind of asked this, uh, uh, alluded to it, I think, in a question earlier. But I mean, I've always written about um my personal experiences mostly having to do with relationships, but um, nowadays I find myself writing about not just that, but about, you know, the things happening in the world around me as I see it. And I read, I don't know if it was an article or a book it was Bono by you two. Who's one of my favorite singers. Um, and I read this a while back and for some reason it, it, it's really st stuck with me. And I've been thinking about it a lot over the last few years, but he said, as artists, we're supposed to be like reporters. You know, we're supposed to report on what's happening and put it in the song. That's our job as an artist when we create. And, and that struck me. And I think that I've, that's really struck me as of late. And that's sort of what I've been doing lately. And so been a long time was one of those songs where I did that with, Right. Uh, that was a song about, you know, the uh, isolation that people were experiencing with, with the COVID lockdowns when those were happening. Um, and now they're unraveling where everyone's just being an asshole lately, it seems right. like, just for no reason. Or, and just doing crazy stuff. You have school shootings. And I, I mean, just all this madness, whether it's, you know, financial pain with the inflation, and gas prices. I mean, it's just it quite literally is becoming unraveled right right before so if i could play devil's advocate for a second just for the hell of it um yeah. i think you're right uh, or maybe bono's right in in some respects but i also think that the vibe of like the 80s music where it was to quote you know the prophet brett michaels nothing but a good time this sort of an escapism is also a thing that is important right because we need to get away from this at some point sure uh you know i think I guess it depends on what, you know, your vibe is really right. Like Brett Michaels was like, his personality is that guy. Like right. that's a good time. And, and then you have a guy like, like Bono, who's more. No, no, no. I get that. Sure. You know I mean, so I, I could never see Bono right. writing a song like Brett Michaels, you know what right. I mean? Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not his personality and conversely, Brett yeah, Michaels right, right. is a fun guy. Like he's not going to get, Serious. So I just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right if those came out of their mouth. So I just, I think, 
I think as long as you're being authentic, you know, with what it is that that's important to you, you know, that's what translates. And, and we need songs like Brett Michaels. Yes. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, there's sometimes I don't want to hear about, you know, what's going on outside or think about it. I just want to escape totally. And, you know, whatever it may be, nothing but a good time. I'm just for an example. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I write about, things that I'm experiencing and seeing in the world. It's not to, uh, it's not to rub people's face in it. It's my intention is for people to listen to it and, um, and just sort of be able to shake it off. Yeah. And, um, because a lot of, a lot of anxiety, in my experience is relieved just by knowing that other people are, are thinking and experiencing yes. the same things. You right. are. You're not alone. And that makes you feel better. Yeah. Automatically. No, no, I agree. Yeah. So that's, that's really, you know, my intention behind doing right. that. And I wasn't but, trying to be a dick about it. I was just saying, I think, I don't know. Not at all. Yeah, no, I think there, no. you know, there's a flip side to that as well, where I don't always want to listen to something heavy that I have to think about that. Sometimes I just want to put on a, a poison record or a skid row record and just, yep chill yep that makes sense 100 100 agree i'm with you i've been there <laughs> right so that's yep. gonna run me up against the questions i had did i miss anything you want to cover uh no i think you pretty but pretty well covered it all i know we meandered quite a bit but i kind of like to just that's let right. it go where it goes i like meandering meandering yeah. um fans want to find you guys earshot everywhere yep so uh our website is earshotband.com and the uh our handles on all of our social media is slash earshot band so whatever it's twitter facebook youtube slash earshot band okay thank you so much my friend you bet my man you have a good one have a good day we'll see ya. you too. Bye. Bye. ever wonder what a punch from elton john feels like or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in nirvana or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room. Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.